0: Namotasa Bagavato Arahato Sama Sambutasa Namotasa Bagavato Arahato Sama Sambutasa Namotasa Bagavato Arahato Sama Sambutasa Namasami. I wanted to reflect a little bit uh, on, you know, on August 3rd when, when some of us here we went all together to this uh, march um, on the first anniversary of the explosion in um, Chevron refinery in Richmond and we went on this march and where like about 2000 people or so were demanding a transition from fossil fuel industries to uh, sustainable energy and uh, some people here were part of it and it was a very i think it was a very joyful and uplifting event but when i when i came back home to the vihara i Saw like some footage on on the net about the event, and what struck me was how different the footage felt when I was seeing it than it was when one was there, because the footage felt like kind of quite uh, like something was happening, you know, which was uh, kind of dangerous or or mm. which needed to be. Uh, you know, contained and people needed to be kind of warned or protected. But when you were in the march itself it all felt so different and the our uh, steward Naomi who was with me at the walk and she, she also said it looks so different, you know, on 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 the news than it felt when we were there and and it struck me, you know, this was just another example how how the way, you know what we bring to the experience, how much that influences, you know, what we, what we see. So the news uh, person, this woman, who she interviewed me also, and and she just spoke uh, on the report that the way she was speaking, and it was a very sensational way of reporting. It was like a lot of kind of hype was there with it, and it just. It just was surprising to me. I didn't think I, I had been part of this. <laughs> because when I was there, it was so different. It was very... It felt very gentle, actually, and very... A, a lot of love and, and a lot of um, connection was there. And, and I felt so inspired, you know, by those people who came forward and, and said, you know, that they'd be happy to to be arrested, even... You know, as I've heard from you, uh, Josh, because Josh was one of the people who did get arrested at the in the end, that it was a very kind of a ritualistic kind of arresting. You know, it wasn't really uh, what we usually understand. You know, when it is when you get arrested, but people were were treated in a in a very kind of gentle way. They gave. You know, some people distributed cookies, you said, and and it was just like a very mellow affair. And you also said that they ran out of handcuffs, isn't it? So some people were just like pretending they had handcuffs on because they didn't have enough for everybody. But still, I think it is still a powerful way to, you know, to go through the motions which this culture has set up for people who, who break the law, even, you know, that time it was broken with a very good intention and I think probably some of the policemen they would have rather been joining in with us than than standing there in front of these gates of the refinery. And I also felt, you know, when those the people, there were about 200 people who offered, you know, to be arrested when they were they were identified with a white stripe of um, material around their upper arm, so it was very clear who you know who was volunteering for it, and then they were all together, you know, walking towards that gate of the Chevron refinery, and there was like a, a marker, you know, and it was clear if they step over that marker, then they're gonna get arrested. So it was very, it was all very clear, and and I, I still remember, you know, in the first row of those people, there was Bill McKibben, and I think with his wife and so on, and how they were walking, you know, it was just very very dignified, knowing, you know, that what they know to be true, they don't have any doubts about that. And and even they didn't know what's going to happen when they step over that line, that, you know, that knowing that they were doing the right thing, just because I really kind of could see it in his eyes, you know. When he was walking, he he didn't know how it's going what's gonna be when they step over that because the policemen they looked you know they had some equipment with like you know they could have you know beat people or or you know hurt them. So just seeing in the faces you know how those people because they were doing it together and they and they were doing it for a good cause. The dignity in in. In that act, it really touched me uh, very much. And then all, you know, the people who didn't want to get arrested, they were just like standing around them and cheering them on with waving their sunflowers. I think that was very, very um, touching. I really felt like tears, you know, coming up. You know, to have that opportunity to be able you know, to stand for your truth in this way. I think this is really powerful and then you know even I'm sure you know all of those 2000 people who came to this march I mean nobody really knows you know how to resolve this very complex situation but everybody was willing to just do the next step and and to just meet that edge you know and make yourself vulnerable to to just meet that edge, and trusting that if we open up to meeting that edge, we're gonna know the next step. And then we meet the edge again, and then we're gonna know the next step. And this this openness, you know, to, to meet the edge of of what is possible in the present moment. I think that's what the Buddha's teaching is all about, you know, to cultivate this this openness of heart and to, you know, step into the vulnerability of, you know, not having a preconceived notion, what you're going to find there. And even if if the mind throws up all kinds of ideas, to just, you know, take that also into awareness and make it part of what can be known rather than, you know, projecting it onto the situation. And, you know, if we can cultivate this openness then always, you know, there's always like a wisdom and a a clarity flowing out of that which which can open up to us, you know, new vistas which we would never have thought about that they exist, actually. And I'm sure, you know, Bill McKibben, when he started with this work many, many years ago, I have read, you know, his biography, uh, you know, he didn't know he would end up as being, uh, you know, like a, you know an internationally known leader in in the environmental um, Issues. I mean, it is amazing how his life has unfolded, and it started with just you know stepping into what needed to be done. I find it very, very inspiring, and you know I've when I saw the report on the news that that, that spirit, you know, was completely lost in the in the sensation of the. You know something has happened, and and lots of people were were uh, walking together, and, and it didn't really bring any of the the hope and and the joy and the beauty of that uh, movement. It was just um, like another. Story about uh, people who you know question the the, the status quo basically and, and the practice is all about you know questioning the status quo of our own uh, experience <clears throat> and um, you know meeting meeting raw experience in in that way is is really the only way how we can how we can learn about about life and and I find you know this this attitude of a warrior which we have to bring you know to the practice and also to our own lives you know this attitude of uh, Of being willing, you know, to to stand there and and not knowing what to do and waiting, you know, until we do know. And I've recently, you know, heard or read somewhere the word, for example, karate. That word, that that martial art. The translation of the word karate means to have empty hands, you know. And from this emptiness, the right response is is going to flow forth, but not. In in a way of destroying, you know, what what is dangerous or what we perceive as dangerous, but through kind of receiving it and uh, transforming it in that emptiness, you know, in that willingness to to not know how to respond, and and through the connection with with what comes to us, that that openness will hold in itself the answer which we can only you know become aware of if we don't have a preconceived idea how it, how things should be and it's you know it's not an easy thing to do and to, and the practice all of the different you know meditation techniques and, and and the teachings they just are all you know skillful means and instructions how we can actually you know cultivate this open mind you know the, the all of the different instructions for insight, and and also the different instructions for for you know focusing the mind. They all are here to develop that uh, possibility, and you know, also that we can keep our minds open. And we can through that openness we can connect with a much you know greater intelligence, which is. Speaking you know out of that emptiness, out of awareness itself, but only those who have you know ears to listen, they can hear it if we if we're too much caught up in our own stories and interpretations we 're just going to repeat you know the past over and over again and, and this is exactly you know what we can 't keep on doing if we want to kind of stay on the planet, we, we can't repeat the past. We have to you know, find ways how we can respond in a new and in a fresh way to, to life. Because we, we, you know, we're living in a, you know, we live in a world view which is uh, coming from the 18th century or so, from the time of the French Revolution, the Enlightenment time in Europe. And this is this kind of understanding, you know, which we are still living in this kind of understanding and it's not any more appropriate for the situation on the planet right now because there are so many more people and, and it has so many things have changed. So we can't afford to live in that way. We have to really uh, wake up to the fact that we can't uh, reenact the past over and over again. And, you know, for for us to really understand that we have to just, uh, you know, tear away lots of uh, veils of ignorance to see how, how disconnected we are from, you know, what's really needed, how disconnected we are from the way things really work, you know, from this process, you know, which we are part of this... Huge uh, in- interdependent uh, network, you know, which we which we call universe or or planet Earth. And you know, and if we really allow ourselves to to tap into that truth, then you know the response of uh, you know wanting to do what we can in order to. Not harm this process is an automatic reaction. I think you know this. Uh, the four Brahmaviharas really, if we really become aware, you know, of, of the interconnectedness of all the this, where we are part of, then a lot of you know, feelings of of gratitude and and love for this process. They they just you know. Uh, Welling up naturally, we don't have to crank them up or make them happen. But you know, in order for that uh, process to to kick in, we we have to really pay attention to to you know what we are, so to say. You know, this body and mind, how how it functions because this you know this this uh, body and mind is is part of nature, and we have forgotten it because we are mostly so caught up in our in our sinking mind that we are we are not aware of it and you know there's lots of uh, remind us here, for example, in this very beautiful hall and the Buddha's teaching, you know, is, is a whole uh, collection of, of of books and instructions which we can use, you know, to find what works for us to kind of break through these veils of conditioning which we are bringing you know, to our lives, and which we are, you know, get get entangled in over and over again. And um, you know, in order to to let this uh, truth of interdependence, you know, really inform us so deeply, so that then, you know we will from this connection to 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 the bigger whole we will know how we can respond if we can you know take that as an impetus to you know create or become aware of of the urgency which is actually here and which we can uh, Tap into and use as a fuel, you know, for practice to to bring up the courage and to bring up the energy to really pay attention to our experience. I mean, not in a in a way, you know, to, not in a scary way, but just in a, in a matter of fact, you know, that there is a lot of urgency here, and you know, and we all can find our contribution by you know, really going deep into this body and mind because this body and mind are part of nature. And we can trust that nature knows what needs to be done. And, you know, and to just kind of not take it so personal, the whole thing, but just see it as... you know, to see it for what it is. I mean, to see, you know, to see our personal lives in, in in this bigger context rather than, you know, see it all about me and myself and what I kind of would like to have and what I would like to, to do with my life, but rather see it in a bigger context and see it as a, an opportunity for... You know, developing wisdom and compassion, and uh, you know, see it as a as a as a gift. You know, we have been receiving, and we are you know trustees of this opportunity, trustees of of this planet and also of this body and mind, which are a part of it. They are you know, made out of the elements and, and we are kind of you know, the elements walking around in, in a form of a, of a human being. But nevertheless, we are, we are elements and you know, when we are dying, they are all going to fall apart and they go back you know, and, and go into the earth and then come out in some form again and to to kind of reflect on that. You know, that there is actually that if we make an effort to listen deeply, that we can, you know, connect with this uh, bigger intelligence, which is, uh, you know, called in many different ways. Some call it maybe God, others call it Uh, The Buddhists call it Dhamma or Law of Dhamma, and scientists might call it, you know, evolutionary process. There are so many different ways how it can be called, but if we don't, you know, turn towards it and listen to it by turning inwards, then we're not going to go in the right direction. And, you know, I myself find it very uh, inspiring to see myself as, as a part of that process. And I find it a relief, you know, that I don't, I'm not the one who has to find the way how to respond, or I don't have to kind of, you know, find the solutions to all of this. It's more like, you know, I have well, the only thing that I have to do is I have to strip away, or I have to take care of stripping away all of those veils of delusion, and then, you know, I'll have increasingly clearer access to this intelligence, which is just like available for anybody who has the uh, you know, who feels that they want to listen to it and who does the work to clear out those channels of perception from past information. Because through those channels, you know, this information is coming if we clear them out. And this clearing out process, you know, that's what the Buddhist practice is, is all about. And I think all other spiritual practices for that matter. And it's, it's like a, a mixed bag, you know, because there's lots of unpleasant stuff which we have to receive and transform but there's also a lot of joy in that and you know this this march on the on August 3rd was for me a very good illustration of it where you know people went through a lot of of pains to organize it all and and i'm sure you know it's people were motivated by probably a lot of grief and 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 a lot of uh, despair, some of them, you know, not knowing, you know, how they'll ever gonna be heard. For example, you know, people who live around that uh, refinery and have a lot of um, repercussions from the bad practices which are done there and which are actually, you know, supported by, by, by the government, so to say. And, you know, people who really have a lot to lose, and you know, and, and to see that out of that despair and out of that willingness, you know, to to turn towards it and and see what can be done, a lot of kind of dignity and joy and uh, connectedness was, was born out of it. So, you know, if, they, if those people are not willing to go through the pains of facing the despair and the fear and the disappointment and all of that, then the joy and the dignity and the strength is never going to come because it's, it's, you know, in that dying process, something new is going to come out of it. And the whole practice is all about, you know, dying to the past Dying to what we think is happening, and you know, going down into the depths of it, and then something new is born out of that courage, and that's just. The way things work, you know it has always been that way, but it's getting you know a more and more uh, extreme you know situation now, and you know if we think about the the fact you know that the outer is always a, a reflection of the inner i mean it I think that the, that situation tells us a lot about how. You know, mainstream society is is really misguided and completely out of touch with what what's really needed. So, and because you know we can't go and and just kind of with sheer will change all of this. We can only become you know change agents within ourselves, and through that. We will we will kind of have its repercussions in society. That's the only thing we can do. And you know, seeing that demonstration and seeing you know that it had all started with a few people and it's getting more and more people because you know if you see the the power and the difference, you know, just a few people can make. Then I find that very, very inspiring and and then you know once we one starts to walk in in that direction and then that nourishment is coming through you know from dying you know to, to the old ways of doing things, then you know a new kind of a uh, way of of responding to to the situation is just gonna it, it's gonna become a kind of contagious you know because this this quality of joy and connectedness it's, it's kind of very very attractive this is exactly you know what what people are missing and why where where, where consumerist culture is so pervasive because This quality of connectedness and joy and nourishment coming through life, this is what people don't have. This is where they're gonna go and buy so many things and stuff so many things in themselves, and drugs and alcohol and you know, all of those things which have a really strong impact, a strong sensation, in order to not feel just for a moment or just feel a very strong, pleasant feeling and paste it over the emptiness of, of, you know, not really knowing what we are doing here on this planet. And and the the joy and the connectedness and the, you know, the goodwill and the love which was so present in this uh, march this is exactly what everybody wants. It's pretty easy to to actually get, you know. People didn't consume very much on that march. They just had some very nice little banners, and otherwise, you know, there wasn't much uh, money in this, or uh, somebody was selling little ice creams. That was about it, you know. The joy came from something very different. It came from knowing that they were doing the right thing. And, and seeing that others were doing the same thing and that they all knew, you know, that they were doing the right thing. And that was very beautiful. And, you know, it it all is born uh, out of, you know, the willingness to feel the despair and to feel that sense of urgency to want to do something and to maybe not knowing what to do, but then just standing in that long enough until the knowing comes through. That's that's all, you know, what we need to do. And I found that very, very uh, uplifting to see, to see that, that this is really possible, this can be done. So it's, it's always the same thing, you know, the quality to, to kind of cultivate this, this quality of awareness which has, has that strength and that trust, you know, that if we are holding steady long enough And standing is almost like, you know, really nakedness of and vulnerability of meeting meeting life in that way and and not kind of budging and not going into distraction and just trusting that just by the pure fact, you know, that we, we are part of nature, part of such a tremendous, huge process which is going on for billions of years and which has, hasn't stopped, you know. And we don't have to know, but we have to kind of cooperate with that momentum rather than distracting ourselves from it. Because it's very, very powerful. When it has started 14 or so billion years ago, you know, which what we call the Big Bang and a whole, you know, universe has has unfolded. This is a vast process and if we can, you know, have the courage and the imagination, you know, that we can actually link into this. We have the equipment, you know, and, and we, are, we have that uh, reflective mind, you know, which all other creatures on the planet, as far as we know, do not have. So we actually have a, a special role in this process. And if we, you know, if we are not taking it up, then uh, somebody else will. So... you know, to see this uh, life of ours in in this bigger context and take take, uh, guidance and see, you know, how we can, through our own practice, you know, become pure enough conduits for this intelligence to work through us so that we can, you know, bring something beneficial to the process rather than taking, you know, and... And uh, distracting ourselves, so to see, it's not only about you know transforming our own suffering into joy, but it's, we can also bring it into the whole process. We can benefit others also through it. So you know, if we remember that, I think we can have more courage and more strength to. Uh, open ourselves to to this process if if you do it only for ourselves it 's very difficult you know to to get motivated enough to to put in more energy into the practice. But if you reflect on it, you know what 's really on stake it 's not about just about us it 's about so many other species and people and you know the whole beautiful things in in this world the rivers and the forests and the flowers there's so much there you know which we are not so different from those we are just like a different uh manifestation of nature but we are part of it and to remember it and to take you know solace from that that we don't have to lead all of this because we can't we are much too ignorant for that but we can you know come down a little bit and uh, and open ourselves to something much bigger than our little minds and then, you know, just leave from that. And I'd like to end with a, a quote by um, a man called Arne Ness. He's an eco-philosopher from uh, Scandinavia. I forgot now which country. Uh, I think Norway, actually. And he says, when we perceive our deeper identity as an ecological self that includes not just us, but also all life on earth, then acting for the sake of our world doesn't seem like a sacrifice. It seems a natural thing to do. So, you know, that, you know to really have that knowing into our bones, you know, then that action will flow forth and it doesn't feel like a chore. And, you know, the, uh, I've looked that up some, uh, and on Wikipedia, actually. The word uh, you know, oikos this is a Greek, a Greek word and it means home or house and that's the root for the word, for the word ecological. Ecological oikos mm-hmm. and the word you know eco basically means home or house and ego is is like the opposite of it you know. So from ego to eco, you know from this understanding of me as a separate self coming to this understanding of, you know, we are just like a little something in this much bigger house or home, you know, which we call universe. And, you know, this brings a whole new dimension to the, to the, to the journey of, uh, you know, liberating our mind from, from ignorance, really. I think that's like a dimension that Buddha didn't have to kind of think about when he, you know, uh, walked the earth 2,500 and so years ago, because that was not a a, a theme then, because the planet seemed to be just limitless. Nobody knew where it ends and where it starts. But the teaching is still the same and hasn't lost any of its uh, power It's just the application becomes more urgent every day. And you know it's a good thing and if it doesn't look like a good thing on on many levels I think in, in terms of the evolutionary process it's exactly the right thing what needs to happen in order to go in the right direction. And we can trust that because otherwise it wouldn't be happening. We just have to see ourselves as part of it rather than, you know, innocent bystanders. We are part of it. So you know, don't turn away from what's happening because if we not turn towards it, we close ourselves off from the Dhamma. But if we open ourselves to it, then we are in touch with the Dhamma, which means nothing else but, you know, the laws of nature. And then we can work in unison with that. And we're all together in this wonderful journey and uh, let's see what happens next. So I'm going to stop there. Thank you.